for those of you who weren't here last week, um, Devin, I'm going to stretch you for a second here today, bro. Go find me that little video clip about the Our Saviors Crowley property. It's on the Dropbox, okay? And I'm going to say something about it, and then you're going to play it for us. Um, it's going to be there under the, the This Weekend folder. Last week, we made a really exciting announcement. <laughs> and I know, come on. And I know some of you are able to be alive. So I wanted to share that with you. We have been blessed, y'all, to be able to purchase property in Crowley. And uh, it's, uh, we've, we've uh, took a little aerial video of that property, and I want to show it to you. They're probably going to call in Lance to make it happen. Um, but we want to show you where it's at. We want to show you uh, what it looked like. And uh, just to say that the grace of God has been all over this situation. Uh, we, we've been looking for property. This campus, of course, we've only led this campus for the last, uh, what to say, what, a year and a half almost. Uh, been involved in it for about two years before we moved to Crowley. Um, and uh, for the, but, 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 but long before that, this, this campus have been trying to buy land, been, been, been trying to buy property for a campus, for a facility that we can call our OSC Crowley home. Um, but five years ago, uh, one of the agents, uh, property agents in, in Crowley started working uh, with, our, with our pastors to help us to find property. Um, and I don't know about you, I don't know if you know, but the, the number five in the Bible is always an indicator of grace. Uh, if you read something in the Bible and there is a five connected to it, you'll always find a theme of grace connected in it. But anyway, so um, five years ago, this, this person started showing us this piece of property where we actually bought land on. And then um, five months ago, uh, we, we heard that there's an opportunity for us to, to maybe purchase a portion of that land, whereas before it wasn't really an option for us uh, financially. We weren't able to, to you know, afford it. And uh, um, five months ago, we started pursuing an, an option on a property there, and we closed on it in August, and uh, we bought five acres of land, y'all. <laughs> and so we've just... Um, We've just been so thankful to God, so blessed that we've been able to buy this property. It's on the VFW Road. Now, many of you won't even know where the VFW Road is uh, because there's nothing there. Uh, it's basically, except for the VFW Hall, <laughs> which is why it's called the VFW Road. But other than that, there's nothing there. Um, but we are going to trust God to build a campus facility for us over there that uh, we can call home. All right, so Lance, you'll have to maybe help the guys in there. Get us that aerial video. Video. I know it's last minute uh, of the of the property um, purchase, and it just let us look at that little piece of land that we bought, um, and then Mr. Mark is the uh, the little hush noise gone. Yes, we've managed to to cut that out. That's a good thing. All right. Alright, so in a minute you'll see the VFW home. No. <laughs> it's to the right. We bought all those trees, y'all. This is the VFW hall. We didn't buy that. We bought this piece of land that wraps around it to the front. Right 
the rest of the vantage point of the town. Neighborhood where Ryan stays and over there by the circle was the cinema. So let's... So we want to invite you guys to go out there. The, the land is ours. You can go have picnics under the oak trees. You can go and uh, pick up trash on the property if you, <laughs> if you feel like it. <laughs> we want to do a family fun day on the property on the 9th of October. That's not this coming Saturday, but one after that. And so there's a, a little work that we're going to be able, hoping to do on the land just to get it ready for, for that moment. Um, but we're going to celebrate, guys, like we've been celebrating in a while. Uh, to be on our own land. This place has been really good to us. The owners here have been extremely gracious and uh, generous to us. And we thank God that this has been our home. And it will continue to be as long as they will have us here uh, until we move to that spot there. So next coming is for us to just uh, figure out what, what to do, how to do this. And so we'll be having pastors meetings this and, and, and elders meetings this week to uh, describe kind of the process moving forward. And then we will do a formal presentation of our plan to you guys in the next coming months uh, as soon as we basically can. So just keep be praying for us about it. Um, you know, just share the story, share the share the the, the breakthrough that we've had uh, with people around, and uh, get a, get everybody excited about what God is going to do next. And then um, we'll be sharing uh, financial details with you guys soon. But for those of you who are aware of the legacy account, that's basically the same thing that we'll be using uh, uh, to be able to make this bec- come to life. Amen. Awesome, awesome. Which leads me to today's message in our Build Your Church series. And remember, we we said that this is not a build your church like we want to tell you guys to build your church. No, this is more a prayer. Prayer based off of Matthew 16. I'll get to that in a second. Where we, we're saying and echoing what Scripture is saying that Jesus builds His church. We're saying, Jesus, come and build your church. And it just happens to coincide with uh, the land purchase we really planned to do this long before we even knew that when we would close and everything so how many of you know that this here right here that we have the people around you the guys the neighbors sitting next to you this is our church right this is our church we are the church and when we say build your church it has nothing to do with a building it has nothing to do with property it has everything to do with a property internally in each of our hearts amen and so that's what we focused on and that's what we're talking about during this series of build your church um for those of you uh, who came with us uh, last week we spoke about just how really important humility is um, in, in, in helping us establish what we spoke about too. The, the fact that it takes a church to, to really transform a place. It takes a church to build, solve problems. It takes a church to stand together and see the kingdom of God established in areas that it hasn't been established in our environment yet. And how important it is for us to win in relationships. You, you remember that sermon? I'm so pleased at the responses we've gotten out of those those sermons. People just making a decision to make up with people. People just coming and saying, how can I deal with this situation? We, I, I realize now I can't just let this be. I have to resolve, resolve this. And so um, winning in relationships is absolutely important as Jesus builds his church through us. And, and how important an aspect humility is to that. How humility helps us to view each other correctly 
how it helps us to view our leaders in the church and, and everything and everybody we honor in our church. Remember, we had every leader in our church stand up and we said, hey, when the Bible says honor those who work, you know, who labors am- labor among you, it's not just referring to the, to the senior pastor. It's referring to the leadership of the church. And, and how many people do we have in our church that don't lead our children, our youth, our, our services, our outreaches, that we need to respond to them in the same honor we would to the person who is, you know, employed over leadership in the church. And, 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 and how humility helps us to do that. It's, like, it's humility that enables me to see a person in that, in that fashion, in that value. Well, you're just my life group leader. No, 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 no. You're not just my life group leader. I honor you as a person who prays over me, who prepares word to share with me, who holds me accountable to trying to take steps toward obeying God's word myself. I honor you as a leader that does the work of the Lord amongst us. Humility helps me to see people in leadership in the correct light. And then also the church see what we're doing here, the things that we're trying to achieve, see that in the correct light as it relates to Jesus Christ and Him being crucified and that message that needs to go out to the lost. It's not a self-help club that makes things comfortable for us. No, this is a life-saving boat that's out in tumultuous water trying to save drowning people. And we need to view ourselves correctly. And when we become too big in ourselves and we become too entitled, we think that this is all just about me reaching my dreams, me reaching my potential. No, this is not just about that. This is first and foremost about reaching the lost and how humility helps us to do that. Go listen to those messages. But today's title, guess what? It takes faith. It takes the church. It takes humility, but it takes faith to to, to allow God to build His church through us. Matthew 16, as I alluded to earlier, says this. I'm going to read a good portion of it. Verse 13 to 19. Jesus came into the country of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his followers, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, and others say you're Jeremiah, um, or one of the early preachers. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Have you figured out for yourself who Christ is? Who do you say that I am? And then Peter Peter said the following, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Simon, son of Jonah, you are happy. Another translation says, you are blessed because you did not learn this from man. My father in heaven is who showed you this. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. The powers of hell will not be able to have power over my church. And I will give you the keys of the holy nation of heaven. Another translation says the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you do not allow on earth will not have been allowed in heaven. And whatever you allow on earth will have not been allowed in heaven. Uh, Will have been allowed in heaven. The verse clearly states that Jesus builds his church and he builds it well. He builds well. It's an overcoming church that is. He builds it well. He builds it on Jesus Christ, who is the rock of our salvation. And it says here that we get the keys of the kingdom. And our job is to establish the kingdom, to unlock what is reality in heaven, to unlock that so that it becomes reality on earth. So I want to take you on a little bit of a, a quick parenting. Uh, <laughs> picture okay how many of you ever had your kids offer to come help you with something 
Okay? All right. So how many times when they were small did you rather wish that they did not? <laughs> okay? They came and they kind of just, all they did was really break your speed, right? Um, <laughs> they, they, they did more like to, to frustrate you than to really help you. Um, but can you remember a time, and for us who are our younger parents, we might, I, I'm just coming into that now, uh, where they, their help actually became helpful. How many of you remember that time? When you actually wished for their help. I want to give you a pro-parenting tip here real quick. Okay? If you don't appreciate their help at five, they won't offer it anymore at 15. So for those of us young parents out there, just appreciate their help. Incorporate them, into, even if it slows you down. Just keep doing it. Just keep accepting it. Keep incorporating them in the process. When they're 15, they'll still be offering help to you because they know that you value them regardless of their performance. How biblical is that not, right? Well, my boy comes to help me often. So the other, days we were, uh, other day we were putting together a little laundry basket. Um, and <laughs> um, he wants to help, right? So not only does he offer to help, he demands that we use his tools. <laughs> so you know how successful and how you know, frustrating all that, that was, right? Um, and he's making all sorts of weird and wonderful suggestions. You know what we need to do with this? We need to put that over there. I'm like, mm-hmm, no. That shouldn't be going over there, right? <laughs> and, 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 but, but he's just like, let's do this, Daddy. You know, and he's excited to help me. And so um, uh, 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 at some point, I'm like, okay, 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 listen. We, we have to make a plan here. Because see, they, they put this paper in the box for you. And when you look at the pictures, they look exactly as what we're supposed to build. Can you see that? He's like, yeah, yeah, but I think we should go like that. I'm like, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not how it's going to work. You're going to have to, with me, study this. And I said to him, look, let me help you. Come see. And I said to him, okay, let's find all the parts that they show us on this paper. And I said to him, see that picture there? Go find me one of those parts there that looks like that. And so he's out there and he's searching. He's like, is it this one? I'm like, no, that doesn't look exact. That doesn't look like at all like that. It has to have these pointy parts here. Like, oh, all right, he puts that down. And now you can see you're getting really like, I didn't really want to do this. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to help my way. And <laughs> so, but I encourage him. I encourage him. And uh, um, I said to him, look, see, when we come to this place, yeah, we can use one of your tools. Okay. So get your tool ready. We're almost going to use it, but go find me that part. And so he finds me the right part, and I said to him, okay, let's see what the picture says. This one, you know, connects to that one, and we need that screw over there. Bring us the screw. Now we can use your tool. Come, I'm going I'm to set it for you, and you can just do it all the way in, and then I'll tighten it. And so there we go, and this is how we're starting to get that, you know, laundry basket thing put together. And later on, one of my other... Um, Kids come and they also help. And so now I've got these two little helpers that are at least willing to look at the pictures and see the directions. And so it goes way, way, way better, right? Isn't that a picture often of of just how our faith works? You know, we come to God the Father with all of our ideas of how things ought to work in our lives. And God's saying, come, come see my word. I want to show you, you know, not with pictures, but with words. I want to show you my words. See, this this what you're saying? That's where this is going. But, but we first need to see the picture that I am building and see where your part's going to fit into this. And then we can use your idea to incorporate into this where it fits. 
And you know when, when, you, when your kid, they say, okay, dad, let's do it your way. Man, every, all of a sudden things start moving in the right direction. Don't you think that's exactly the heart and desire of our Father in heaven that just wants us to say, come see, come see, let me show you. This is the picture that we're building. Let's go this way. And then you go and say, yes, Lord, let's do it your way. I'm absolutely convinced that this is how God works with us. He is so patient with us. He is so willing to, <laughs> you know, to, to stick with us while we're frustrating Him, while we're like, oh man, I want to do it my way, Lord. I want to do it this way. You know, you see, this is how I want to handle, you know, my, my, you know my, my off time. This is how I want to do this part. And He goes, mm, you know what? When it comes to that position, when it comes to this part of your life, that might fit in right there. But I need you to first come and see the picture that I'm building. And it takes faith for us to put aside our perspectives, to put aside our, 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 you know, our opinions of how things are to work, to come and just accept by virtue of, I believe what you're seeing is the right thing, Lord, to just go and do it that way. It takes faith. It takes trust. It takes me to start getting to know this person. Now, the longer you spend time with little kids that way, the quicker the next time they're able to go say, so now my child, when, they, when, they, when, they, when, they, when we open up a box to be assembled, they're already asking, where's the instructions? Right? We need the instructions. They can't say the word, but they know what they're looking for. They're looking for those words that are going to tell them and show them how it's supposed to be done. God's word for us is how it's supposed to be done. The short, most accurate path to create are to create in the first place, but we might not have necessarily known it at that point. It's going to take faith for us to take our part because not only do we have to do it God's way, you know, we have to be, we have to stick to the process when it doesn't go the way we wanted it to go. Like my boy, he so quickly loses interest when I tell him to do something that's necessary, but it doesn't look like exactly what he wanted to feel like. I mean, I wanted to use my tool, Dad, you know, and I don't get to use my tool. But there is a difference in the role that God plays and the role that man plays that is revealed to us here in Matthew 16. However, it is both. It is a role for God and there's a role for man. It's not that we just go back and say, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. No, if we sit and do nothing, nothing comes from nothing. God expects us to get in the game. He expects us to, uh, to, to complete our part of the mission. And so Jesus, in a very significant moment during this Matthew 16 portion, changes Simon's name and links him to the building of his church. Peter's name is the name Cephas, and it literally means rock, stone. And so Simon is called Simon. But Jesus says to him, you are going to be called Peter. You're going to be called rock because you have a part to play in me building my church. And then he says, Jesus says, on this rock, I will establish my church. I will build my church. Make no mistake. 
God is building His church through Jesus Christ. There is absolutely nothing wrong with, under, with that understanding. But it's not just the revelation that Christ is the rock and that God is building His church on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It is also the revelation that it is the men who, and women who realize this that participate in the process of the building of the church. He's saying to him that I will build my church on men and women who have realized that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We are the church. The Bible says we are being built as living stones into his building. You and I are part of the stones, makeup of the church. He builds on men and women who understand who he is and who understand who they are. What happens when a person realizes that Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God? Well, if they're wise, they immediately realize that it's time for them to bow their knee. For them to acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord. I want to submit to you guys three ways today. How we submit, how we bow our knee to Christ to declare that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that we have acknowledge that and are willing to put ourselves available as, sto- as stones, as living building blocks that he can use to build his church with. The first thing is they submit their will to his. The second is they enlist in his work. And the third is they strive to imitate their hero. Let's delve into this a little deeper. A person who realizes that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, first of all submits their will to his will. Like at some point, I had to get my boy to understand that, hey, there's a process here. And if you want to help me, we got to follow this process. And at some point, he transitioned out from all of his grandiose ideas of how he's going to do this into, okay, let me follow your steps, Dad. Each one of us need to come to that place where we're willing to lay down our grandiose ideas of our life and what we want to achieve with it and how we want to make a name for ourselves and how we want to build something that's successful and leaves a legacy. All those good things. I'm not speaking about those things in a negative light today. But we still have to lay down our ideas of how to achieve it and accept His way, His will of how to do that. Let's look at another verse in Matthew 16. Just a little further down, verse 24, Jesus told his disciples this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This is right after Peter had started rebuking Jesus because Jesus was saying that the Son of Man has to suffer many things and die. Peter rebukes Jesus and says, no, Lord, this is not going to happen. And Jesus turns it around and he starts rebuking Peter. (laughs) He's like, bro, get behind me. You are acting in self-interest. You are acting according to your perspective that you want an earthly ruler that will overthrow the Roman government. You can't afford for me to die. It's all about you. And how you see and perceive your life needs to go from here. Jesus says to him, get behind me. You're a stumbling block to me. He says to him, you're preventing me 
from having the internal will <laughs> to go and do this excruciating thing. It's like Peter was appealing to Jesus' flesh. He says to him, Lord, oh, so Jesus, this doesn't have to go this way. We can do it in another way. How enticing must that not have been to Jesus? We're like, man, you mean I don't have to die? I don't have to be crucified? My goodness, what a prospect. But Jesus recognizes it for what it is. And he says to Peter, you're a stumbling block to me. Don't stop me from doing what I was called to do through, because, your, because of your self-interest. Because you want to preserve this good thing that you have got going here. So Jesus says to his disciples after that encounter with Peter, he says to him, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. One of the most difficult things for us as humans to do is to deny ourselves. <laughs> it is one of the most difficult things to do. But Jesus says that this is the first thing you got to do. If you're going to follow me, you have to learn to put yourself second. You have to learn to put your perspectives, your opinions, your plans, your, 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 your ways that you thought it out. You have to put that aside and say, Lord, show me that picture that you got first. Show me that instructions. See whether I'm building the same way that you're building. The second thing we see People who totally submit their will to God because they understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, is, is that they actually enlist in Christ's mission. They enlist in Christ's mission. Have you enlisted Christ's mission yet? I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, I've bowed my knee to Him, and I've accepted that He is true, that He is right, and I need to follow His, his way. But do you realize that His way includes in enlistment in his mission he calls us co-laborers in the kingdom of god and he wants us to play a role in that same verse verse 24 it says let him deny himself and take up his cross take up his cross we often say it here at, at our, our savior's church our spiritual journey that we're on with people and that we want people to take always be taking steps toward Process, progressing along that journey of growth. It's this, we want you to know God. We want you to become free and stay free and live free. And then we want you to discover your purpose and we want you to start making disciples. That's the call on the church. If we want to sum it up by saying we're called to make disciples, Jesus will build his church. If we make disciples, we will have a church. Jesus is faithful to his purpose and to his objective. We need to become faithful to ours. Making disciples is joining Jesus in his mission. You see, Christ on earth laid down his life in service of directly 12 individuals and indirectly to a group of about 150 that would closely follow along with the other followers. And he invested in them. He helped them to see the truth about his as opposed to the religious structures and the religious you know, system, uh, the faith system that was in existence at the day. And, 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 and he helped them to understand what he was there to do. And then he sent them out and said, now, you need to go and do this with other people. And you need to get, go 
because you'll be going to the ends of the earth with this thing. They were commissioned when Jesus was ascended to to go and make disciples of all nations. We read that in Matthew 28, verse 18 and, and 20. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Christians often stop short of enlisting in the mission of God. We believe in Christ for our salvation, but it's, it's not as common. You know, we believe that, by and large, the body of Christ believes that, hey, I'm supposed to believe by faith that I'm saved, not through my works, not through my effort. And I'm supposed, and I, and I do believe that. But so often we stop short of actually responding to the mission of God that he commissioned the whole church to do. So we say things like, I believe in Christ and I'll go to church as often as I can. But that's as much as I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do. I still want to have my life and I still want to do it my way. And that's like the boy coming to the dad saying, hey dad, can I help you build this thing? But hey, we're not going to do it your way. Let's do it my way. What's going to become of what is being built? Well, if the dad just goes, all right, sure, have at it. (laughs) You know what's going to develop, right? Well, probably not even too much because they'll just lose interest and it'll just never get done. Let me tell you, Jesus has a desire to let his church expand over this whole globe. And people who have understood this have done it, have have, have engaged in those activities. But it takes a church who sees that necessity, who humbly seeks to have good relationships with one another and people outside of the church to make that a reality in our environment, to make that become something real that is tangible in our community of Crowley and the surrounding areas. But I know it's scary to do this because so often we go like, well, what does that entail? I have to talk to people. (laughs) And then half the church just checks out. (laughs) I'm sorry, I didn't do that. (laughs) I understand. I understand that. But did you know that being afraid to talk to people is not a character trait of personality? Introverts. Just because you're an introvert doesn't mean that automatically you have to be afraid to talk to people. No. That's fear of man that makes you afraid to talk to people. Or insecurity in yourself that makes you afraid to talk to people if you're an introvert it's okay you can talk to one person at a time but we still have to talk and when we're when we when we chalk it up to personality there's nothing that can be done about it but there is a lot that can be done about insecurity and the fear of man and so i want to encourage you don't hide behind your personality just because You have insecurities. God won't expect you to speak like I'm speaking in front of a mass, uh, you know, a a, a group of people. But God does expect us to be sharing our lives with peoples, even if individuals, one at a time. But that's just the thing is we, we, we realize what it might entail and it scares us and then we draw back. 
where God actually wants us to press into faith and say, Lord, I'm not too sure if I can do this, but you know what? I'm going to try anyways. There was a guy that God called to do something extravagant, and he was afraid because he couldn't speak. That guy's name is Moses, and we know he's free. Just because you're afraid to do something doesn't mean he'll excuse you from No, he's going to just trust in him and to press into faith because it needs to be done. It still needs to be done. There are people like you who are afraid to talk to any and everybody who if you admit to them, look, I'm afraid to talk to people, might, might be brave enough to listen to you telling them about your story of finding Jesus. So don't think that God cannot use you. He can very much use you. Because yes, you are unique, but there are also very, very, similar, very many similar people to you in this world. And so God is going to use you in that way. But it's going to take faith. It's going to require us to step out. What makes us able to step out in moments of, of uncertainty and, and, and moments where we, where we stretch a little our current situation? I believe it's the character of God. I believe it's the character of God. And you see, when, when you start with your children young and you show them that, hey, you know, when we do it my way, things actually work out. By the time they're older, they don't argue as much with you. Like my 11-year-old right now, she's getting into all sorts of, you know, <clears throat> developmental phases. But when, <clears throat> when I tell her, hey, girl, I know this is going to me do it. She understands where it's coming from. And she does. And she trusts me and she, and she gets going on it. And it usually works out. And if it doesn't, then we both learn something. But the bottom line is character is understood over time. We spend enough time with God and His character that we might learn Him. That we might get to understand that when He says something, He's not saying it just out of being, you know, out of being um, you know, nasty. Or He's not just saying it because... He wants to get back at us, or he doesn't want to give something to us, etc. No, he's saying it because he knows it's going to be good for us. So we trust in his goodness, and that gives us the hope that we will be blessed if we follow his way. Right? We follow his wisdom, and we trust his wisdom, because it gives me that assurance that he sees further than I sees, than I see. And he's struck me now so that I have the, f- the, the quickest possible route to my destination. And the, the other part of his character that I'm just so excited about is his faithfulness. You know, his faithfulness gives me the confidence that when things are tough or even when things are traumatic, that he's working for my good. And, he's and so it takes faith. But faith requires from us to enlist in that mission that he has given. And when we do it, we get to encounter His character. We get to learn His character. And the more we trust in that, the more we see God's outcomes develop in our lives. The question I have for you today is, if you maybe stopped short of enlisting in His mission, have you maybe been a Christian all your life, but you've never fully really engaged in God's mission, I want to ask you, what are the reservations that you have against doing that and going all in with God? Because it's, it's really necessary and ask ourselves, what happened? What must I do next to get over those reservations and to take a step, a bold step forward? You know, in our church, we talk about taking next steps. Next steps in our growth and in our development in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And someone here might have to join a life group. Some of you might have to go all in with us. 
and, and, and take the membership course. Maybe join a serving opportunity in one of our dream teams. Maybe you need to start leading a life group right about now. Maybe you've, you've been around the block a lot and you've actually got a lot to give. And, 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 and God has just been prompting you to get going and grab a group of people around you and just start journeying with them through the Bible, through scriptural concepts, through life, learning and, and, and doing life together. Maybe it's time for you to just start sharing your faith. Just grab an opportunity to tell people that you know what, you're a Christian and you've decided to give your life to God and, and, and maybe share some of the benefits, maybe share some of the changes that's taken place in your life since doing that. How about this? How about you just start offering prayer to people around you? You see somebody struggling a little bit? Instead of just going, hey man, hope it all works out, going, hey man, do you mind if I prayed with you about this? And see how the Almighty God steps into that person's room answering prayer and showing himself real to them. Invite somebody to your current life group. Man, there's so many things I can say. Invite someone for dinner. You know, when we came, nobody knew us. All we did was just inviting people to our house for dinner. And look, <laughs> you know, our house, you, you, those of you who come to our house realize we perform miracles every time that we invite people to our because we live in a real home. I have kids, and they're still kids. They're like, you know, little, you know, unsaved. They're saved, most of them now already. But, I mean, they still act like normal kids that mess around. Like, I also have food fossils under my pillows <laughs> that some of y'all have found. <laughs> right? It's a normal house. Nothing fancy about it. It gets trash to reset it so that the game of life can, 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 can happen. Right? This morning, I didn't even get a chance to comb my hair for crying out loud. I'm a single this week. Right? Normal life over here, people. Normal life. And we didn't expect people to come over and think of us as being perfect. No, you might have come over and we said, hey, we're not done with the dishes. Can you help? <laughs> Excuse me. But what I did expect was for people to come and just connect with us, just see who we are, just start learning us so that we might have that opportunity to do life together, to start journeying towards the greater things. That and I'm just so incredibly proud of people who have now in recent days come to me and say, you know, Jay, we need, we need to do something. Give us something to do. Like, if you don't know what to do here, goodness, there is a lot to do. Just come ask. Seriously. Just come ask. We are full of plans, and we're full of dreams about what God is going to do through our church. And we need more help than now more than ever. So make sure that you enlist in that mission with us. Um, it's a fun place to be. We, we love doing it together. And, uh, but when you come, you know, come like this. Because, you know, we'll probably sweat together as um, as we go about this journey of seeing Jesus build his church through us. The last thing I want to share is that people who have recognized that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the, the living God, they bow their knee to him, submit their will, enlist in his mission, and three, they try to imitate their hero. And guys, our goal is not to be a, and then put any human standard out our goal is not to be like and then put any celebrity Christian out there. 
our goal is to be like Jesus, to live and act like Christ in the best of, to the best of our ability. Matthew 26, or 16, 24, he says this, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You see, the problem with Peter was he went and he opposed Jesus. And Jesus said to him, by addressing the spirit in which he had come, get behind me, Satan. You're in my place. It's not in front of Jesus telling him how things ought to go. You're in my place is backing him up in everything that he's busy doing and following along with him. If he says, you know, follow the leader, if, if, he, if he goes left, you and I go left. If he goes right, you and I go right, unless he tells us to do something. But then he says this, and this for me, a wake-up call, and I want to read it. It says, for whoever would save his life himself will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole and forfeits it? Is my mic still on? <clears throat> or what shall a man give in return for his soul? You see, sometimes we go and we think of our lives and we think of our track record and we go like, you know what? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I don't have any troubles and I don't have any, you know, big crises and what, all that. And, you know, I'm doing pretty well for myself and my family. And, and I don't have to respond to what this guy is saying today. I want to I ask you to consider this. What if you get all that and you do it your way and you get it all at the end of the day and it didn't matter? It didn't matter a thing. He is not calling us to just respond to Him because it is all the things that we said going to be good for His kingdom. And all that, it's going to be good for us. It's going to be good for you in eternity. Look at me. Everything you do this side of life is a seed for eternity. Every act that you do according to His will is a seed that will bear fruit in eternity. Bible says that some of our work were going to be destroyed no matter how good it was. It's not about whether it was good or was whether it was out of obedience to Christ. That is the qualifying factor in the New Testament. Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. He wants us to listen and obey and do it His way. Now our tendency is to make too little of the words of God. We hear all this and then we go like, yeah, but I got it figured out. Or I'm going to follow that advice over there because, you know, I'm in that industry. Or I'm going to do it this way because that's how it's done here. Because we make too little of the Word of God. We think it's not applicable to every aspect and every part of life. We think because we're in a unique industry or a unique situation that all of a sudden we need to find a unique voice for advice. No. If you make big about the Word of God, if you acknowledge the Word of God, first and foremost, no matter where you are and what you're busy with, the faith you need and require to be able to obey Him in all of that will be yours because faith comes from hearing God's Word. So my question to you is, when was the last time you really considered your life in light of God's mission and in light of God's plans? Instead of just jumping into the stereotypical advice that is given to people that is in your situation why don't you ask God to tell you what he wants you to do how he wants you to do it Matthew 4 verse 4 says this it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God 
three, we need three things if we're going to make big about the Word of God. And this is how we get the faith that is required of us to take His will over our will, even if it doesn't make sense at all, to enlist in this mission that He has for us and to really pursue that imitating lifestyle. First, we're going to have to have an active prayer life. How often do you pray? The Bible says pray without ceasing. And, and pray without ceasing might think like, okay, I need to be constantly praying prayers. No, no, no. It's a disposition. It's an attitude of communication. It's a place where I am not just thinking my own thoughts. I'm thinking them toward God in an act of prayer. I'm constantly communing with Him, saying, well, this, this is what I'm thinking. Speak to me if you have anything to say about this. It's an attitude. It's an it's a, it's a, uh, uh, orientation towards life that is in constant connection with God to be able to intervene and tell you His thoughts. That's what a prayer life is about. It's not just about saying prayers. Oh, do I have to recite the Our Father every five minutes? No. Never recite the Our Father until you mean it. But do speak to God constantly. Make your considerations, the decisions that you're making, make them in prayer with God. Let them be directed to Him for input. Like, do you actually expect Him to say something? This prayer is a dialogue. We need a scripture life. Many of us just have too shallow a scripture life. We maybe do our, our daily devotion, but that's it. Let me tell you, you've got to meditate on the Word of God. The Word of God's got to, got to dwell in your mind. If the Word of God dwells in your mind, worries, anxieties, fears don't dwell in your mind. It's either or. You either have the promises and the character and the realities and truths of God milling around in there, or you're going to have this world's troubles, issues, anxieties, milling around in there. It's your choice. But if you're going to get the faith you need to do all that we said, you're going to have to have Scripture milling around in your mind that replaces, that, that kicks out all those fears and all those worries. Those what-if scenarios that you built with your mind because you don't know exactly how things are going to work out. Replace them with the promises of God. And the third thing is we're going to have to build a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Many of us are skeptical about the Holy Spirit, yet Jesus placed Him in charge of leading us into the truth. It's just Scripture. Jesus put the Holy Spirit in charge. If you trust Jesus, you should trust the Holy Spirit, therefore. Or at least if you say you trust Jesus, then you will trust the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus left him in charge. It's time that we learn to trust him and pursue a relationship with him and everything about him. How would you feel if somebody invites you into a relationship but they tell you they, they say, Well, you know what, you know what, that aspect of you, I just I don't I don't ever want to see that. Like like that bald head of yours, just cover that up with a cap for me, please. We're gonna have to we you know, when you come to me, I I don't want to see that part. Right? But that's what some of us do to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I want a relationship with you, but all those gifts and all those weird things, I don't want none of, none of that to do. Just come, but come as I say. Let's not be a people that don't acknowledge Him as being the third person in the Godhead. 
being God Himself as well. Let's accept Him and let Him guide us and lead us into whatever that He feels is necessary. Because of His faithfulness, because of His character, we are safe in allowing Him to lead. So if faith without works is dead, as I conclude, my question to you is, what's the Holy Spirit telling you to do next? What's been in your mind? And Ryan was just so spot on this morning in his ministry as he said there that, you know, God has has been saying to you, this is what you need to do. And trust me in doing it. It's going to take faith for us to let Jesus build his church through us. And I want to encourage you to just step out in it. It's time to get it done. Whatever you have been thinking about, whatever you have been considering, don't put it off any longer. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Respond to the Holy Spirit's guidance. It's time to get it done. Let's pray. Father, we just come today. Lord, we make decisions here to put aside, Lord God, our will, our perspectives. That's you. You feel maybe the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about putting aside your will and surrender your will to His. Why don't you lift your hand right now? All eyes closed. Just acknowledge that before Him. God, see those hands. Maybe you're that person who's been believing in God maybe all your life. You've never said yes to enlist in His mission. God's speaking to you. You want to say yes to enlisting in this mission. Please raise your hand and acknowledge that before this one. I know this is a scary one. It's going to take faith. It's going to take faith. Thank you, God. Lord God, we just bring our lives before you. And we say, here we are, Lord. Send us. Use us to do your will. Lord, we want to do it your way. But Lord, we also want to be like you. We want our lives to echo you. We want our lives to, to, to mirror you. And thank you in the Spirit, we're already like you. Help us, Father, to see that come to reality in our flesh. That we might more and more, progressively, more and more, look like you in everything we do, think or say. We pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen.